This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, uh, hello again. Uh, my name is Matteo Rizzi, the executive producer of Breaking Banks Europe. Welcome to today's show in a new format called Open Innovation Series. In the past decade, especially in our industry, there are a lot of examples of how innovation has been deployed, collaboration has been installed between incumbents and, and startups. And this series is going to talk uh, about different ways, success stories, failure stories, experiences, and everything around collaboration and open innovation. We have four amazing guests with us today from uh, like uh, four different nationalities, four different corners of the, of the planet, uh, like uh, very different experiences. I think we're going to have fun. As usual, let me uh, introduce themselves by uh, leaving them the floor for a couple of minutes. I will start by uh, Noemi that I see um, on my uh, left hand in, on the screen. So if there is no, like, uh, no, in no particular order, Noemi, welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you, Matteo. I'm very happy to be with you. Um, okay, so I'm uh, representing here Société Générale, so, uh, which is a, a big international bank uh, acting uh, in retail banking as well as in capital markets, private banking and all financial services across the world, across 61 countries. Uh, and uh, I am uh, head of the digital uh, group strategy uh, in the innovation division for the group. So attached uh, to general management and supervising uh, uh, digital strategy for all these activities and geographies. Thank you, Noemi. And now uh, let's go to Belgium. Edwin, welcome for the first time to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you, Matteo, and uh, I'm glad to be on this uh, podcast and to be able to contribute to this uh, exciting subject. So I'm Edwin de Pau. I'm uh, in charge of data services and innovation at Euroclear. Euroclear is a central securities depository. It's a market infrastructures in the securities industry. And our role is really to contribute to Euroclear's growth either by leveraging the data and data insights that are available in Euroclear or by leveraging new technology, leveraging new business model and inventing new product lines. Great, Edwin. And then let's go over to Middle East. Gavin, welcome to the show. You and I have been in other shows recently, but welcome to this one. <laughs> Thank you, Matteo. It's uh, awesome to be here and awesome to meet the, uh, the, the crew. This is really exciting. It's my first time uh, on any uh, kind of formal podcast like this, so it's a big deal for me. So it's good to be here. Thanks. Um, so cool. So, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I'm from uh, First Abu Dhabi Bank, or FAB as we call it. Uh, my particular role, I head up a um, group of mis misfits in the bank uh, called Fabric. 
Uh, Fabric is the Fab Research and Innovation Center. We're essentially the innovation lab uh, for the bank. And there's lots of very interesting stuff that we uh, we work on. One of them, of course, being all things uh, fintech. So very excited to be here and part of the conversation. Thank you, Gavin. Last but not least, uh, our friend Diego, representing uh, one of the Spanish uh, leaders uh, in this in this movement. Diego, welcome to the show for the first time. Thank you, Mateo. Thank you for having me today. Thank you, everyone. My name is Diego Calasiveta, and uh, I work for Santander, for Banco Santander. I'm originally from Argentina. I'm based in Spain. Uh, I've been working for Santander for my entire professional life now. Uh, that means around 17 years. Uh, within this journey, in these 17 years, I've been lucky enough to have had the opportunity to cover many different roles, uh, although I, I can say that majority of them uh, were in the operations, technology, projects, maybe organization as well, uh, departments. And, uh, and also had the opportunity to be based in four different countries, uh, Argentina, Chile, Spain, and Hong Kong in three different continents. Um, Right now, I run a business unit that is called FinTech Station, uh, where we basically uh, look to connect our different business units at pain points or needs that they have with the best tech companies out there in the global ecosystem. And we do this uh, with the aim of building strategic and long-lasting partnerships. Uh, so yeah, thank you for having me again. Thank you, Diego. So let's uh, let's sort of start this conversation with a bit of a, like an opening statement, okay? So none of you, without sort of asking for your age, are like a new kids on the block, right? So you've been working for your institution for a little while. And uh, it is true that uh, for the ones that sort of tried uh, back in 2008, 2009, uh, back at my time at Swift to talk about uh, collaboration, you know, startups, uh, uh, entrepreneurship or intrapreneurships in large financial institutions was kind of a challenge. You know, you, 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 really, you really were looked at uh, like, a, a, you know, a dissenter or someone who really sort of came out of the blue. Like a, more than a decade uh, uh, later, I don't think it's a matter of, uh, uh, you know, if it is good to collaborate or about uh, how, you know, what is what is the best way. Uh, I hope that you all agree with me to start with, but uh, I want to understand a little bit uh, what's your what's your take and, and why you agree with me. And how have you seen in your own institutions, but also in your experience, uh, this sort of urge for collaboration sort of uh, developing uh, in the past uh, in the past year? Uh, let's take for this round the same sort of uh, uh, the same order that we did for the presentation. So, Naomi, over to you first. Thank you, Matteo. Yes, uh, I, I absolutely uh, agree with your statement. Huh? I think there is two two different arguments uh, uh, to to agree with you. One is, uh, let's say external, looking at the environment, looking at the, let's say, the, the way we are disrupting in all our uh, uh, businesses in financial services and all our customer uh, 
segments and all our business in across the geographies. So definitely there is uh, something about the environment which requires from the financial players to have great ambition, both in terms of transformation of the existing business model and in terms of creation of new business model, which are, I think, the two main motors of our digital strategy in financial services. So, so these great ambition requires, I think, cooperation. This is, let's say, for the environment part. And for maybe more an internal uh, testimony coming for Société Générale, for us, it has been a, for a long time a tradition, or let's say it has been part of our pioneer spirit to be really connected to the ecosystem. And it also goes with the fact that we have chosen since the beginning to have a digital transformation strategy and an innovation strategy, which is very decentralized, I mean, embedded in uh, the reality of all the collaborators in all the business model, uh, in all the geographies. Uh, and, and this makes that uh, partnerships or cooperation really comes for the grant. So it's a reality for everyone in the bank. And, and this is the way I would say that it's not a if, it's a how and when and with whom, you know. Uh, so, yeah, this is the way I would, uh, I would uh, develop on Great. what you are saying. I would like I would like to add to that. I, I think it's it, uh, indeed. I think we passed the question uh, uh, if we need to collaborate because I think there are a huge uh, number of benefits. But I think before you can ask the question, how do you want to collaborate? I think you first need to ask the question and answer the question: Why do you want to collaborate? Uh, I, I see different reasons why one would like to collaborate with uh, startups and fintechs. In often in our case, uh, I think there is the, the general the market research angle, understanding what's going on in the market, uh, how people who are less knowledgeable about the business would redesign our business. I think it's also uh, to a large extent uh, in many companies uh, a way to further accelerate growth, often in a non-organic way. I think it's, it might also be a way to enter into a new ecosystem to facilitate partnerships, where partnerships are, are, are not always easy uh, uh, between incumbents. And if you have a sort of fintech enabling that uh, collaboration, I think that that could also be a good reason. There is the obvious financial uh, return, but what we also see is, uh, is uh, new capabilities, to build the new capabilities. And I think it's only when you have asked and answered that question and that everybody understands what is actually the value they bring to the table in the partnership, in the collaboration, that then you can start uh, thinking and reflecting on how exactly what do you want to collaborate? Do you want to do this at arm's length? Do you want to be closer collaboration? Is it, is it more just a, 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 a reputation? Things like that. So so that's that's the way I think. I think the, the, the why is an important question. Uh, to, to answer. Yeah, I think I think just to jump in there, I think collaboration is is a must, right? I think it's 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 we must do it. And I think there's there's an internal collaboration as 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 teams and how we as you know innovation and function support teams to come together and collaborate. And I think mean, maybe guys we can touch on that a bit in, in a bit, but I think in terms of outward collaboration with fintechs, and I think Diego just said something early on in his, his intro and I was like, he said something about starting with the problem or, or solving real problems. So I think collaboration to me, what's important to add to what you guys are saying is that it's, there's a right way to collaborate, there's a better way to collaborate, but also there's a very easy way to get busy with fintechs and partnerships and do the whole fintech thing and do the accelerator thing. And hey, we're partnering, we're collaborating, but nothing's actually 
really coming out of, of tangible value versus the effort that you put into it, right? So I think in terms of successful collaboration, we want to be good partners with the fintechs and the ecosystems that we that we plug into. We want to make sure that we're primed for success for kind of meaningful kind of collaboration, starting to look for those problems and working back from the problems as opposed to looking at fintechs and trying to pitch ideas in, inwardly mm. to, the, to the teams. I think it's, it's super important, you know? And, and the second thing I'll say in terms of successful collaboration in terms of like fintech or outside technologies or platforms or entrepreneurs you know one of the things that we work on internally as a team because we do a lot of kind of the, the design thinking and service design and helping to bring teams together internally to look at on map journeys and to solve what a whole journey could look like and when you bring teams together to collaborate and look at a particular problem or a particular journey everyone can easily come to the same conclusion that or the same um, the same um, uh, the same kind of thought process that there's something there that maybe we should reach out and tap into a fintech. So before you even contact and look to collaborate with a partner, everyone's kind of behind you and everyone agrees that this is a sweet spot where we should do collaboration and we should reach out. So I think, I think successful collaboration, I think priming to do successful collaboration is, is, is as important as just doing it for the, because it's very easy to do, right? Very easy to do in today's world. Um, I cannot agree more on everything that's been said uh, so far. For us, uh, let me explain a little bit what I was uh, uh, saying before in my introduction when I was mentioning that we focus on um, building strategic partnerships, right? Um, there's, there's three ways, at least, I can imagine uh, our bank collaborating with companies. Typically, these three ways are, first, uh, the bank willing to create a new product or to launch a new product or a new service to our customers. Therefore, um, um, building a partnership type of relationship with a fintech, let's say fintech company, that will enable us to go faster to market. You know, time to market is crucial here. Um, this comes mainly in the form of white labeling uh, third-party technology to go faster to market. Because here we have to remember that uh, usually big banks or big corporations, we all have the capacity to build in-house uh, solutions. But if we, you know, if we put ourselves to do that, then by the time we reach out and have a really uh, useful solution, um, probably the market is way, you know, way ahead of, of, of ourselves and it's going to be way too late. Um, so that's one, building uh, new products or services using third-party technology. Uh, the other two ways in which we foresee collaborations typically are the bank uh, selling or using fintech companies as a new channels of distribution of our products, right? So we, as a bank, selling our products through third parties channels. And the other way around, which is um, having fintech or tech companies, um, you know, selling their products or their services through our channels, improving our uh, service offering to our customers, right? These three ways uh, are the ways in which we envision partnerships and all of them, and this is vital, all of them uh, in every partnership, every relationship that we build with any partner, we have to always bear in mind that there's gotta be four win. Uh, this gotta be a four win scenario. Um, number one, of course, the partner has to, be, has to win something in this relationship, the bank for sure. Most importantly, than, even than the bank and the partner is going to be the customer winning something, winning uh, the possibility of uh, getting a better product or a better servicing uh, from ourselves. And last but not least, we are now incorporating, and I think this is something that is becoming more uh, common day by day, which is 
the environment has to all, all, also uh, get a positive impact on this relationship, right? So it's important to bear in mind that it's a, it's not anymore a, a, two, a win-win scenario. It's a win-win-win-win scenario, right? So it's the bank, the customer, the partner, and the environment. All that winning. Thank you, Diego. So uh, I wanted to to move on to the uh, I want to say like a classic uh, question of of the culture and and the mindset. But uh, you know, listening to Diego specifically. Let's actually uh, get a little bit deeper already and uh, let's assume that uh, culturally to embrace uh, innovation and collaboration with external bodies, uh, you know, of, of the institution is already a challenge. Okay. And uh, one could argue is the, the, the biggest challenge or not, it doesn't really matter. But uh, what is what is certain is that uh, it is uh, complicated and challenging to make this uh, innovation culture pervasive throughout all the bank and not only a sort of uh, a matter close to the innovation team, you know, or or the funding team or the two or three guys with the innovation name on, on, on their business card. By the way, uh, you know, and this is for our auditors, I don't know if you realize how lucky we are to have like uh, four like people representing uh, four global uh, institutions uh, in four different countries. So there is actually very little, you know, competition amongst them. So we can have the cleanest uh, sort of possible dialogue today. We should actually treasure this. I'm actually really grateful for you guys to sort of be part of this uh, conversation. Uh, Gavin, I know that this uh, culture mindset uh, being pervasive, being pervasive, sorry, in this uh, innovation culture is something very close to your to your heart. And I also love your zero bullshit sort of a talk. So that's why I'm starting uh, by you. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, yeah, culture is this this huge, big, big topic. And it, it spans in a, in a couple of different ways. But when I think about how banks mature and get ready for fintech or open banking or, or, or the space, I, you know, I always think about it in these kind of three different kind of buckets of, of maturity, right? I think the first bucket is, look, we want to build a network of partners, you know, uh, in the fintech space. We want to build our, 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 our ecosystem. We want to get access to fintechs. We want to get access to, you know, experts. And we want to be able to tap into the fintech ecosystem to solve, solve our problems. And that's, that, that seems to me, certainly what I see from the banks I'm, I'm aware of, that, that feels like kind of ground zero where, where most banks kind of start building that, that ecosystem, right? The second bucket I see then is kind of this idea, this path to productivity. And I think we kind of talked about this with collaboration falls under this. Like how can we, once we find a fintech, how can we commercialize that fintech in the organization in a way that makes sense? We're not, you know, we're not wasting everyone's time and we're, we're as efficient as possible with everyone's time and energy. And that could be down from our technology rails and our, our APIs and consent management and all the whole kind of shebang in terms of the fintech funnel that goes with that. That's super important, right? And we're maturing very well in, in, in that space and a lot of banks are. But I think the, the, the third bucket to the point of this, the third bucket, which I think is the elephant in the room and super important, is the internal fintech culture within an organization. Like teams in the bank have to understand the potential and value of fintech. They have to be aware of what's happening in the world in terms of open banking. They have to get excited. They have to really care about this, right? They have to know it's important to their, their roles and important to the, to the bank moving forward. And I think without that fintech culture, if, if teams in the bank aren't reaching for fintech, as I say, it, well, what's the point in having 
the ability to have a great network and do pitch days and accelerators, and then have all these great kind of like technology platforms that we can bring fintechs to life. I mean, it's driven by people ultimately. It's not driven by the fintech. So we have to have an internal strong fintech culture. And you know, we work hard in, in FAB to build that from the point of view of having certain events and some key speakers come in from time to time, as you know, Matteo. Uh, we have a fintech curriculum inside the bank that we're, we just launched as well. And there's a whole kind of palette of, of, of stuff that we do to support and drive and bring fintech closer to teams. But I really think fintech culture is of the utmost important. I think it's often, as I said, the last thing that banks tend to consider because it's very easy to do fintech for the sake of fintech. Very, very easy to get busy uh, with all these all, all this stuff, right? Because it's, it's all over the place. And I think culturally... Culturally, to me, is, 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 is definitely a hot topic and a sweet spot for us um, in terms of what we're working on. Yeah, and maybe to build, uh, I like your approach with face of, of maturity and buckets of maturity. And, and I will maybe add about, you know, also the progressivity of the, of the, the cultural shifts in the, uh, from one side and from the other side to be able, you know, to, to make the marriage uh, work, you know. And, and in our case, I think there are two different scenarios. The first one is when we are trying to, let's say, address a pain point of our existing customer basis. We have a customer basis which is both very loyal and very demanding because it's a very digital customer basis. It's a very appetent to innovation customer basis. And so, so definitely, being there served in a very digital business model such as Boursorama, for example, which is the first uh, online bank in France, or being served in more traditional uh, organization or, or banking setups, they always need more innovative offer and, and, and we need to be able to answer them, to cooperate with fintechs and to build partnerships and to build at the beginning commercial partnerships. Then we come to new, uh, you know, better each other. Uh, and then uh, we will maybe uh, go into a minority uh, investment and it will be again uh, an opportunity for the team to know better each other and to understand better the culture gap and so on and maybe we will go until a, a full acquisition for example this is the kind of story we lived with uh, shine for example or with risoca which is a platform selling um, uh, where you can buy your your used case uh, your your used car uh, for example so these are progressive relationships that have been built around the need of the customer and around the let's say the common vision to be uh, the best uh, uh, um, let's say partner for the customer's project. This is one scenario. And the other scenario, I think, is also when uh, we decided to, to partner with a fintech to attack a new market. I take maybe the example here of Trezor. So Trezor, if you know, it's the fintech of the fintech. So they provide a bank as a service services to new banks and fintechs. Definitely here, we were in a situation where they were attacking a, a market segment where we were not at the time where we started to, uh, to talk together. And we shared the vision that this customer segment was to grow and that there will be a need for the bank to address this customer we didn't know how to address at that time. And also a need from Trezor to be able to offer also a continuum to the customer when they start to be bigger and they will need, let's say, uh, other kind of services that 
Trezor was not, uh, um, uh, let's say, to, was not mean, meant to, to offer, and it was more traditional banking. And I think this is also a very powerful uh, way to overcome cultural gaps when we definitely share a vision of the, let's say, the way the market is evolving, and we understand together that we have complementary forces to be able um, to offer this continuum of services during all the life of the new customer. I'm really curious to understand the point of view of, uh, of Euroclear, uh, Edwin, because uh, this uh, is something that is true across all markets and all verticals. You're bringing a very precious point uh, on the capital markets uh, uh, perspective. So, you know, tell us more. Yeah, and 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 it, it's it's a, it's it's a challenge from a Euroclear perspective, and it, and it's it's not only a challenge from a, a cultural perspective. I see it broader. I mean, on one hand side, as a Euroclear, your market infrastructure, you're taking risk out of the market. So you have clients who are uh, a, a client of you because uh, you are uh, very strong in uh, managing risk. You're very strong in executing your current business, and so you have organized your internal organization, but also the expectations from the market go into that direction. And, and, and when you are innovating, be it internal uh, incubation or be it with, uh, with uh, startups, there you need to suddenly create a different mindset. You need to be able to uh, work much more incremental, uh, experiment more, but then uh, clients and, and, and should also understand that uh, the, your first product is not the perfect product. It's an MVP. And so, so there, there's indeed a tension and, and people should be a little bit of schizophrenic, whereby for our, your core business, you really are seen as the one managing the risk, putting in, in, in place uh, uh, strong uh, controls, being very disciplined in execution, but then at the same time searching for new opportunities, you still need to be able to experiment and, and, and to trial and test. And, and, and that tension, it's not always uh, uh, easy to manage. And then I think, uh, in, I mean, Euroclear is a small company, but, but, but still we are composed of a number of different legal entities. And I think that's with probably many of us. I think there's also the decision-making process. I mean, the, the, the startups, they, they move fast, they take fast decisions, whilst there as, a, as an incumbent, you don't always follow the speed that they are expecting from you. Um, just to, to build up on what uh, my colleagues have just said, um, there's, there's two concepts that I really liked of what they all mentioned. Uh, one of them is that we, uh, you know, especially at banks, we should have a kind of fintech mentality or fintech mindset, right? Um, I think it was Gavin that said that, um, and I cannot agree more on that. And also the other concept is fintechs and fintech forces and banks forces are somehow complementary, right? So we can complement each other. And by working together, we have to acknowledge that we can go way uh, faster and way, you know, um, uh, beyond the limits that we uh, separately have. And there's one other concept that I want to link to these two comments that I just uh, said. That is that I think we all should be uh, at our positions in, in our banks. We should all be always, all the time, entrepreneurs. Right, uh, that's the way we should all, you know, be looking at these type of collaborations. We we should all be looking at this type of, um, uh, you know, um, 
problems, if you will. Um, we have to keep in mind that we are the you know challengers internally in our companies, and we should all collaborate and help to change these culture differences. And honestly, I, I, I think of myself every time I wake up, I, I think of myself as an entrepreneur uh, working for a really big corporation. And that helps helps me a lot. Like in my day-to-day, every time I sit down with every business unit, with every um, support function, the way I, you know, I interact with any of them is if I'm, you know, running my own startup within the bank. And, and, and I think that way, you know, it's really a good way, an easy way uh, to share and to, you know, extend this uh, mindset of becoming uh, a fintech in your own company. And just to finish, uh, one, one other thing I'd like to add is that perhaps definitely culture is one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest, but you can name some other uh, hurdles coming out from, from the cultural differences. Things like we all know, right? Agility, risk aversion, flexibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, if we put ourselves the hat of entrepreneurs, I think there's a lot of things we can overcome, uh, even though we are working for big corporations. It, it is true, actually. And uh, amongst the, the, like the typical hurdles, uh, there is one that I want to dive in, but maybe super quickly with a couple of like high-level high level thoughts, which is uh, the culture of failure, right? And, and again, I don't want to sort of revisit the classic of, of innovation, but the truth is that uh, when, you, when you do a face-to-face, especially, you know, as, as you know, I, I like do a lot of uh, speaking and when I talk about the culture of failure, everyone is nodding, everyone agrees that we should allow you know, people to fail, that we should allow experimenting. But truth is that nobody likes when uh, you know, a project fails, a startup that you wanted to deal with uh, you know, goes ballistic or belly up, or like an investment fails, or sort of a prototype that you started working in uh, you know, proved to be not linkable or or sort of digestible with the legacy infrastructure that you have because IT forgot to perform the intrusion testing and all of a sudden the startup didn't pass and you cannot collaborate. So there is the, the big umbrella culture of failure. There are the different possible way of failing. And there are the challenges for people like you that, of course, have to embrace this sort of perspective how to sell it, you know, up and down internally. So probably the CEO or like the, they will get it in principle. But then the moment that there is a hard test, raise your hands who wants to start talking about it once I finish the question. This is the moment where, uh, you know, sort of uh, it gets real, you know, and when it gets real, this is when uh, the, like the innovation side of the company gets hard, uh, hard tested. Uh, Gavin. Failure, mm, big topic. Uh, look, a, a couple of things I'll, I'll say on, 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 on failure is just in terms of context, the way we set up the Innovation Lab, we were very careful and very conscious um, to set the lab up as a function that would drive tangible change and make innovation real and not kind of fluffy and something in the, in the, 
in the atmosphere, right? We've been, the lab has been moving for three years, right? And um, if you Google fabric, you won't really find us anywhere. We're only just now starting to stick our heads above the sand because we've got something worth, worth talking about. From the get-go, we were so clear that we wanted to do something real and drive real tangible innovation and be a valuable lab. And we, we can talk about that more in a minute. But in the context of fintech, the way we set up our fintech service is we really wanted to focus, as we've been mentioning earlier, we wanted to focus on key problems that teams have that we all agree that fintech can solve. So straight away from the get-go, when you look at that, you're looking at finite problems that could be boxed, and we're looking for a solution. And our chances of succeeding after we look at a number of fintechs and qualify them and POC them and execute them, we're in a pretty healthy space, right? So we really focus on that for the first kind of one or two years while we're getting this whole fintech machine moving, while we're getting this innovation machine moving. It was really important to, to hit the sweet spot, right? I think what we're finding now, which is important, and it's by design, is that now the portfolio, how we approach fintech is kind of like kind of 50% now kind of problem-centric. And now we're opening it up to more 50%. What's out there? What's interesting? What's potentially disruptive? What has a bigger chance of unknown and a bigger chance of maybe uh, not being so successful, but can obviously the whole idea of failing fast and failing successfully in, in the right way, we, we bring that into, into the play as well, you know. But definitely it's been a tale of two halves for us. We started focused on making sure we're going to be successful with fintech and then failing on the POCs as fast as possible. But now we're in a much more exploratory space. We're looking at big disruptive new ideas, new business models, much more open banking centric. And that to me is very exciting, but that comes with a different way of managing um, how you, um, those gates of kind of like success and those gates of should you move on to the next step as well, you know? I, I tend to agree. Feeling happy, I think it's it's uh, it's not that obvious. Eh? I mean, you imagine somebody who has, has been spending a lot of energy with a lot of passion uh, to progress his uh, idea and pursue the opportunity and then so, uh, at a certain point in time needs to give up. Uh, it's hard at that moment to feel happy. Now, what, what I try to do, because it, 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 it's not something that has been demonstrated uh, too much, but what I try to do is, is to focus very much on the learning. So when, when, when uh, we start a new initiative, uh, we focus on incremental changes, experimenting, trying to learn, and, and, and making sure that, that out of the learning, yeah, we, we, we feel some happiness. We, we, we feel satisfaction because we have learned. And we also take that in a very objective way to then decide uh, how to, to, to be transparent. Now, that is for the team itself, towards your stakeholders and your shareholders. I think being transparent, being transparent when you start a new opportunity, what are the most risky assumptions? How are you going to test them? And how are you going to learn from your experimentation that until now I, I, I think is uh, works best because at least at the moment that you might need to de decide to stop the initiative you have not spent huge amounts of money uh, you have done it in an incremental way step by step that that I think is what works best for us at the moment Noemi, your last yeah. words, please. Yeah, and maybe uh, uh, let's say as a as a kind of supervision hat of what was said, I think what is also very important because the, the difficulty with failure is that at some point, you know, you have to keep the trust uh, of your stakeholders. So you have to keep the trust from general management, from your board of administrators, from your investors. So I think first question is, 
what is success and what is failure. And I think it's very important to define at the very beginning what are the criteria of success or failure. And these criteria will be different if you work with a fintech or if you are in internal venturing with the, the purpose of transforming existing business model, where let's say you will probably expect a financial uh, result uh, in two or three years. Rather, when you are totally building a new business model, where probably you will not follow the same metrics and let's say success won't mean the same thing as on the first case. So I think this is the first important thing to be very clear on what are the success or the failure, let's say, markers and, and to be very transparent in it. And the second thing probably is to, is to let's say, to keep discipline uh, and to and to and to be honest when the when the KPI or when the the OKR is not uh, achieved, it, it's not achieved. I mean, you can say that there are many uh, explanations to it, and and you can say that we can try it another way, and, and that's right. But let's be honest on the fact that it has not given the result where I expected it will give, and and take all the lessons, and let's say maybe relaunch the same initiative. Uh, and again, I think it's very important to be very conscious. Are you in the way of transforming existing business model, or are you in the way of building something totally new? And in the second case, probably you will need to have quite a, a lot of, uh, f let's say, fuel uh, uh, of the of the pipeline. Once uh, uh, on the on the first cases, uh, you will uh, need to focus on the more productive uh, initiative and partnerships. Today is one of these days when I say, Jesus, uh, twice a half an hour is a bit short for such a debate. But hey, let's try to, you know, I, I know that you are a little bit uh, beyond the first half an hour. Let's wrap it up at the first half of the show. Stay with us. We are coming back with more questions. And it's a wrap. The FTS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. Welcome back to show 86, uh, Open Innovation Series. Uh, we completely went ballistic on the first half of the show, much longer than expected, but that's because uh, the dialogue and the conversation has, you know, has proven itself to be super insightful. So, you know, let's come back to what is the perfect recipe for open innovation? I could name different pillars of it, the funding side of it, the deal flow side of it, the internal innovation capability side of it, the integration with the strategy, the profitability. You know, there are plenty of components. And uh, I know by a fact that all of you have different sort of vision as well as a sort of internal settings and capabilities. I don't, I mean, I, I would like you to share this, but most importantly, what is your experience and views on all these different pillars? And maybe let's start with, uh, I want to say the older uh, footprint, uh, you know, of this, because, uh, you know, Santander uh, InnoVentures started more or less with my first fund uh, three lives ago and uh, and has been evolved. And now is uh, at least the funding part, for example, is, uh, is separated. So, you know, fascinating story. Diego, why don't you give us... Uh, 
your recipe for open innovation? Sure. And I really like the concept, right? So the perfect recipe, I think that's a kind of a kind of a, a unicorn, right? Kind of concept. It doesn't exist, maybe. Um, but uh, I can tell, of course, I can tell, I, and I can talk about my own experience. Um, definitely, as you said, Mateo, at Santander, we have a uh, huge, lot of experience, right, in, in open innovation, uh, pursuing different paths, right, uh, and doing different types of initiatives. Um, in the past, we have had some, uh, you know, accelerators, incubation types of ideas, we do have um, corporate venture capital, which is Moro Capital, formerly known as Santander Ventures, as you mentioned. And let me just do a little bit, uh, deep, a bit of a deep dive in uh, the initiative that I'm running, which is called FinTech Station. Um, so at FinTech Station, what we do is, as, as I was saying before, partnerships, right? So. I'm not saying this is the perfect recipe for sure, not at all, but I, I can definitely tell that this one works for us pretty well um, so far. And I think the key component or the key ingredient to success in this recipe is um, having an open and honest community of, of internally of people that uh, will be your stakeholders at every moment in the life of any initiative, right? So the first thing we've done once we launched this initiative like a year and a half ago was to build this internal community by identifying what we call ambassadors uh, of, you know, these are mainly stakeholders, people that has the experience of working with uh, fintech companies or startups in their local markets. So we identified this ambassador in every uh, in every market in which we operate. And through them, we started to have really deep and meaningful conversations in order to understand what are their strategic plans, what are they looking for, what are their pain points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And it's quite interesting because after your second or third conversation, you start realizing that the patterns are there in the sense of the problems or the pain points that a small market of you know of your, in, in, within your company may have most likely are going to be the same pain points and needs that your biggest market in your company will have right so once you identify those patterns then you have sufficient material sufficient information to turn around and go and look for those best uh, tech solutions or partners in order to come in and and, ho and hopefully solve for those problems right and we started doing that um, again a year and a half ago. It worked pretty well. We've done this exercise of you know uh, uh, having these deep, meaningful conversations, um, understanding their needs, and now we are in a cycle that is kind of a wheel that is permanently rolling, in the sense that we don't necessarily have to have these really deep conversations every time, right? So now we are uh, like a focus point. And every time some of our business units have any kind of need that they feel um, they can solve by uh, connecting with a tech solution, they will come to us and we will uh, immediately scout for the best uh, shortlist of solutions to that problem. But also that works in, in a two-way, right? So 
it's not only inside out, which means the, the you know the units feeding us with problems, and then we turning around and looking for solutions. But I think in open innovation, it's really important to keep your eyes open uh, and to keep your mind open. Uh, so since we are again permanently in touch with the ecosystem, we are being presented every single day. You know, I think this happens to all of you guys, like your LinkedIn's are full of messages from companies trying to reach out and sell your sell their products to your companies. So this, ha this happens to every one of us. Plus, we work with lots of partners that can introduce companies all the time to us. So I think it also it's, it's also important and relevant to have this vision of outside in. Every time we identify a company that we feel, given your our knowledge, our knowledge and 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 you know the 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 vision that we have for the needs of our group. Every time we meet a company that could be useful, could be interesting and relevant for the company, we turn around and do the interest, right? So outside in, um, I, that's that's my view. So I think uh, partnerships is a really good way. It sits in the middle. It's not incubation. It's not acceleration. It's not investment. Uh, it sits in between. It's important to keep aligned, uh, you know, in, in in your in your goals and objectives with all the parties internally. But it's just one more way in order to, you know, face this problem of open innovation. Edwin. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I mean, uh, first of all, I think at Euroclear, we are not, uh, we, we have not built a CVC uh, uh, arm because we're not looking at fintechs for the pure financial return. So if, if we are, if you're looking at uh, startup and fintechs, it's really to uh, support our growth strategy. And, and so that's where it all starts uh, from, from a fintech uh, scouting perspective, uh, the first thing that we have done at, at, at the company level is to align on the fintech investment teams. Where do we really, uh, what are the innovation opportunity spaces that we want to pursue? And where do we believe that calling upon external help would actually allow us to accelerate the realization of that, that opportunity. So that's where we start. And then you, of course, you start with the pipeline building. Um, and, and there uh, we have the traditional ways of, of, of looking and screening uh, uh, fintechs. But the, the thing that from experience, I uh, believe is uh, needs to weigh a lot in your decision are the people. It's really about who are the people that are part of that startup, uh, are, are they subject matter experts? Do they have the right entrepreneurial skills? Do they have the drive, the passion for the subject uh, to, to realize their objective? And then it depends a little bit as well on, on the level of maturity. Sometimes they're a little bit, uh, uh, they're already well advanced. But we recently, we uh, we partnered with a, a startup who were really at, at, at the beginning, at the very beginning, and, and, and where we helped them incubate it. Incubating, and that's also something I, I've learned over the couple, past couple of years, there is a trap that if you look at uh, fintechs is that they are very, very uh, strong in marketing their solution, but you need to really do the due diligence or are they after a problem that is worth solving? So that for me is a, is, is, is a learning. And then uh, the, the other way around, because this is very much a pool model, but that also we, we, we also are more and more organize, organizing hackathons where we mix 
uh, internals and externals. Um, we will test the hackathon uh, later this year where we actually expose a challenge to only startups. And I think that as well, it's, it, it actually demonstrates that you need to try this from different angles. There is, for me, not a single recipe that, that works. You need to, to try different things and, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Actually, yeah. before before Naomi, before you 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 kick in and, and and then Gavin, the the three days ago, I I I gave a, like a speech to the Italian Insurance Association, and it was a, like a guy, sort of a, a small consulting company, who presented an open innovation sort of uh, interview. You know, they've done two hundred corporates, okay, and. Uh, there, there were a couple of uh, sort of uh, I, I never thought about it, but they put themselves, uh, you know, to into the shoes of a startup, and most of the startups uh, they actually wanted to collaborate uh, with the bank uh, to become the clients of the bank, not to build the solution together. So you know, sort of echoing uh, what Edwin was saying that you need to like uh, do the due diligence, uh, sort of uh, uh, in a, in a smart way because sometimes. Uh, you know, you, you get a startup that uh, they are only seeing you big guys as a potential client, but not as a potential partners to build the solution together, right? And then there were like a couple of other uh, insights about like, uh, pay, you know, reason why they were like a launch an open innovation project, how many projects, you know, a given uh, corporation can stand per year. And then we, we saw that there are very, few that uh, went over the two or three like most of the most of the companies they were they could only handle one open innovation project per year because of you know the, the implication of uh, uh, you know bringing the team in and you know the uh, the, the the legacy the sort of a connection with the with the IT backend and and and, and so forth uh, Noemi uh, tell us a little bit your your point of view yeah, I think uh, it. Uh, I, I wanted to build on what Edwin was saying, but uh, it's interesting also uh, uh, what you what you are saying. I think it's very important to distinguish again uh, uh, the what and the how. I mean, uh, uh, I think uh, the objective is uh, is uh, is the same: uh, is to perform the digital transformation or building the new business model. And I think to align everyone in a big corporate, you need to have a quite clear and shared focused on this strategic area where you want to take the bets. This is the first thing. And I think this needs to be very widely shared and probably co-build with a kind of top executive uh, or, or let's say future leaders uh, uh, of the bank. This is what we have done. And I think it was very, uh, very performing. And then you have different lever to execute it. You know, uh, uh, of course, uh, you are right, uh, Matteo, uh, uh, open innovation is one lever to execute it, but uh, it has to be clear what is partner and what is a client and supplier relationship, you know? So this can be a solution just to, to buy something and to use something as it is. Uh, but this is not really partnerships. Uh, and I think for partnerships, of course, uh, uh, we need specific uh, uh, organization uh, uh, to, to build them and we have to learn it as corporate because it's not so obvious to be able to work uh, in partnership and co-build really new offers with partners. And uh, this is what we do, for example, with the global market incubator uh, uh, on the capital market side. And, uh, and for this, it has been very 
very useful also um, to start with the professional, to start with the Sway, for example, in France. Uh, and then uh, you can also have uh, the uh, corporate building uh, venturing. Uh, um, what we have done uh, with our internal startup call, for example, was a very good example of the way that it could uh, uh, be uh, um, positive uh, in two ways. That means that some initiative has scaled up and are definitely very good uh, internal startup. But even for the one who has not uh, scaled up, it has been an incredible uh, raise in the global maturity of the corporation to be able to cooperate with this kind of actors. Uh, and uh, uh, to react also on what Edwin was saying, uh, in Societe Generale, we have the funding part uh, with the investment. We have started to invest uh, in, in fintechs in 2015, so it's quite a long time ago. And now through our fund, Societe Generale Venturing, we do only strategic investment. I mean, not financial investment, huh, to be clear about what you were saying, Edwin. Uh, so we are only doing the investment if we see very big synergies with our businesses. Uh, and uh, um, uh, it is seen, let's say, as one way uh, to perform uh, our uh, innovation and digital strategy, uh, but uh, at the same, uh, let's say, level uh, of the other ones uh, being um, internal venturing uh, and partnerships. So I think there is no problem in synthesis. I think there is no problem to have let's say, different ingredients in, in your recipe. Uh, but what is very important is to have a, a consistency uh, in terms of uh, what you want to build, what you want to do. And, uh, and I think it's part of the job uh, of uh, innovation division for the group to, let's say, ensure this global efficiency and consistency. Yeah, I'll jump in there and just talk a little bit about FAB. Um, we're, we're a bit, it's still early days for our venture, our venture journey, so I don't have much kind of additional value than the team uh, can add. But I can talk maybe just a little bit about or corporate innovation kind of mechanic. And you know, as I said, Fabric was set up three years ago. Uh, we were very, very clear from day one what we wanted to be and what we didn't want to be. I mean, we, we've all been around the block long enough to know, you know, innovation 1.0 is, you know, this awesome group of people with funky beards um, uh, coming up with the most amazing ideas that don't commercialize across across the bank for various reasons, right? And we've, we've learned over the years that this is not the way to do, you know, silo cave innovation, you know, a lab filled with pepper robots and post-its is not, is not innovation. And I, I refuse to have any pepper robots in my, in my lab, right? So I'm proud to say that, right? No peppers. Um, so definitely the way we set up the lab and the way we continue to work in the lab is, look, by no means are we saying there's not innovative people across the bank. The bank is filled with really talented, rich, innovative people. What we've done at, at the Fabric team is we've kind of defined a kind of a, a, a kind of a set of services, which we call the Innovation Toolkit. This is just, we've commoditized a set of services across the design and UX research and fintech and, and kind of like um, strategy. And we kind of have commoditized these and made them very familiar with teams across the bank. And then we make these services available to various different teams depending on what they're working on. So let's say the gentleman in charge of the FAB FAB mobile application. Well, that's his app, right? It's his responsibility. It's his KPIs. It's his budget. By no means are we here to interfere in any shape or form. But by the way, I can give you a block of fintech or a block of UX research. Or I can give you a block of service design, and we can help you to drive your innovation agenda. And hopefully, you might learn some new tricks along the way. And that changes the culture kind of slowly over time. So the way that we're approaching innovation, and we have done over the last couple of years, is we're here to support and augment teams and introduce new ways of working and to make sure it's as tangible as it possibly can. So bringing that back then to fintech, the, the fintech services that we have, we've got kind of two core kind of fintech services. One is essentially 
tapping our network. You know, we curate and manage a network of about 14, 15 partners across the world, whereby if we have a problem, we can shape that into a brief with the team. We can ping the network and go through the kind of funnel of activity to, you know, qualify and quantify and source and all, all the usual stuff that, that, that we do, right? And then the second service that we have with teams is we can help them to kind of POC and bring it to life and manage some of the, some of the kind of a cultural relationships of bringing someone from the outside like a fintech into the bank and, you know, supporting the fintech's journey into the bank and supporting the team's journey to get best value and build a business case then with the, with the fintech. And then what happens as there's a fit slowly made, we step back and then obviously then the core IT team step in and plumb it in and take it forward as a traditional kind of IT type of, type of project, you know? So, you know, the innovation machine for us is about, you know, these services, about making them available, about championing them, supporting them, putting training around them, making teams available. And what we find is that, you know, the first time, I, I, let me just talk about UX research because it's maybe something that everyone can maybe relate to. If, if we're doing some customer testing for, let's say, a new app or a new fintech experience, the first time we provide customer research to a team in the bank, it might feel a little bit strange because we're asking them to write a brief in a certain way. We're teaching them about the importance of UX research. We might even be asking them to come in and sit behind the glass and listen to some interviews. And they're not used to working in that way, right? So the first time is a little bit alien. But then the second time they kind of go, oh, I get this and I see the value and I'm, I'm making changes. And now people are reaching out to us and saying, hey, look, I want three blocks of UX research next week. I want two blocks of fintech. So that is that is change. That's innovation change happening. That's tangible over, over time, you know. And again, we were just so uh, just 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 from the get go, I can't stress how hard it is or how important it was to us to make sure it was real and tangible and people could reach out and touch it. I had to make it like a legit real kind of innovation lab and, and and i think we've, we've done a pretty good, good job on that over the last the last few years and now i think as we're moving into more kind of big thinking more disruptive spaces looking at the idea of venture looking at the idea of more strategic partnerships uh, the foundation is in place the trust is in place the um the relationships are in place and it gives us a much better footing to do much bigger and more more interesting things thank you gavin so uh, i want to use the last two or three minutes of the show to to talk about a topic that was that we didn't discuss previously otherwise there is no fun if you don't have a surprise like a, a, a surprise question and uh, and actually it was inspired of what gavin so it's your fault basically uh, awesome. touched about in your last uh, in, in your last intervention and uh, so 2008 uh, InnoTribe would then swift. The motto of InnoTribe was enabling collaborative innovation, right? And you are for like a different kind of financial institutions, actually, to be precise, three financial institutions and one market infrastructure. But is there like, is it just a sort of each company with its own sort of innovation garden or how are you guys looking to collaborate with some of your peers, uh, maybe like uh, not in the same region, but uh, is it, isn't that like, a, for example, there are actually spaces for innovation. I'm thinking of like a cyber securities or standardization or trade. So there are spaces where it makes no sense uh, for one of you to invest when the the best solution at it is when this is like collaboratively used and you know i always bring this example so our auditors can relate to think of if each bank of the planet would be able to contribute to a central anonymous database for cyber attacks Right, and then that common infrastructure all of a sudden becomes a central database for all cybersecurity's knowledge, so that all the IT in the world can feel 
safer, right? So that's a maybe trivial example of a collaborative innovation. And yet, I don't think this is happening just yet, or maybe not happening uh, enough. And here, you know, I want to I wanna have your own opinion. I don't want to have a Societe Generale or FAB or Euroclear or Santander opinion. I want to generally think what, you know, what's your view on the collaboration on collaboration sort of aspect of it and say a minute each. want to give this a shot. Edwin, you market infrastructure, you're, you're collaborative by nature. Yeah, it's 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 true. We are collaborative by, collaborative by nature. But if if I, I had one wish, uh, is to push that co-creation with peers, that co-creation with clients, even a level further. Today, I th- we are already moving in the right direction, where uh, we are we are using our uh, the, the the relationship with our clients to. Uh, to uh, uh, pilot test some of the new service developments, but I think we can go much, much further. And I think it's collaborating together, uh, not only between the market infrastructure, but also with with the the other financial institutions to solve the real market problems. And and cybersecurity is one of them, but I think you have the KYC, you have have many other market problems that need solving. And I think uh, uh, spending our energies together to to, uh, innovate together, I think that, that would help a lot, yeah. Diego, you you go next. And by the way, yeah. little anecdote: uh, Santander and BBVA are like uh, two partners, two banks, uh, global, that, that were both sponsoring uh, our events in Spain. And it is the only country where they say, oh, no, 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 if Santander is in, uh, BBVA won't go, or if BBVA is in, Santander won't go. It was like the innovation fintech places, and Spain particularly, you know, was one of the examples. And the counter example is Italy, and you know, there is no representative of uh, of uh, Italy marketplace here, where typically the big banks were looking at each other, like uh, not in a super collaborative uh, way. Diego. Yeah, thank you, Matteo. Um, no, I think that there's there's already a few scenarios, a few spaces for collaborations between banks. Uh, and in fact, as you mentioned, this is already happening. It's not. It's nothing new. Uh, we have some private uh, spaces where we collaborate with banks that doesn't necessarily compete in our footprint, where we can share some learnings and some ideas. Uh, as you said, right in in non-compete areas like cybersecurity, for instance, right. And and we do that. Uh, but also there, there there's some other public cases that I can think of, like. Um, you know, on, on the blockchain space, there's some consortiums of banks and, and other types of you know, other industries, companies, where uh, we as Santander are collaborating, actively collaborating with many other banks uh, in the industry, even some Spanish banks as well, the biggest Spanish banks. Um, with, you know, and this case is Alastria, where, where the backbone is blockchain, right? So everything around building DeFi solutions. And, and it's public information. We we are there and we are actively collaborating, and it's it's happening. So yeah. Yeah, but DeFi. One could argue that DeFi is the feature, doesn't count. But uh, it's is I'm joke. I'm half a joke. Well, but 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 it, but, it's, but if it's the future, it's innovation. Therefore, it counts, right? So true, true. It does. It does. It does. Noemi. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, on the let's say on the business part, I think blockchain is the best uh, example of the way we might cooperate uh, around also uh, more uh, let's say. Uh, uh, explorative businesses uh, being digital assets or trade or commodity finance, which requires anyway, has always required different uh, uh, stakeholders. And it's just a new way to do it, you know, you know in a more massive uh, impact uh, full way. Uh, another uh, way where I think there is a, a very big future because we are talking about big investments. Uh, and I think uh, there will be a need to share these investments at some point uh, is, of, of course, around, uh, you know, Data qualification, uh, being on on the on the risk management side, as you were saying about maybe KYC or detection of new fraud patterns, and this is already now enabled by new technologies such as private uh, enhancement technology and so on. So this is, let's say, more accessible because we can share data without sharing data, you know. And there is also a big field of application of this technology in terms of operation, operation efficiency to be also uh, able, you know, uh, to uh, um, increase the quality of our client uh, database and so on. Again, without sharing at none point the data of the individual customer, but just receiving, let's say, an indicator saying, okay, your database this line of your database is a, is a good quality or seems not to be in the consensus, you know. So these are definitely, I think, a, a very big field of, uh, of increase of risk management and efficiency for, to the benefit to the customer. So here I see cooperation between banks, even if they are uh, working on the same, um, let's say, footprint, geographical footprint, because if not, I think exchange are already uh, happening. If we don't compete, we have definitely uh, exchange. I've made a lex in Santander uh, last year and it was very open because we don't play on the same market. Um, and maybe the last uh, team that we have not discussed is also a, a cooperation between industries because I think in a digital world, uh, there is a lot to do uh, by sharing uh, with other industries. Uh, maybe you have seen yesterday um, the news of uh, Capgemini and Orange and uh, Generali, I think, and another player uh, who has uh, building uh, uh, an incubator that they will co-lead uh, 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 around uh, health and digital health and so on. Definitely, I think this is the beginning of a trend that um, uh, we can also cooperate uh, uh, across sectors uh, uh, on, uh, on specific topics. Gavin, your view also, given the fact that it's going to be the final uh, final comment, uh, knowing as well that uh, you know uh, uh, open banking is kind of nascent in, in, in the region, so it gives a huge opportunity for collaboration, right? What's your view? Yeah, look, uh, look. Open banking is 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 in its infancy here in the region. Um, Bahrain just went live with something kind of this year that's very similar to back in the the UK and, and Europe. Saudi is going to KSA is going to launch something, I believe, next year. And here in UAE, it's still in the the early stages of 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 making a, a any form of formal releases by the by the central bank. But it is coming, and everyone's getting ready for it. And banks are aggressively already working with APIs and consent management and thinking about new business models. You know, look, there's there's a couple of things. I'll, I'll throw in on this on this region just to give a bit of flavor. You know, um, uh, there is some very interesting collaboration happening uh, on, on trade and blockchain. Uh, there was a, a program called UTC, which is UAE Trade Connect, which was launched, I think, I think in April this year. I think there's about nine banks in the region uh, involved in that. So it's a lovely example of, of, of what we're speaking about. Um, the second thing I'll say is that what's really interesting and exciting about this part of the world, particularly when you look at Abu Dhabi or Dubai or 
you know, even even as far as Saudi and stuff, is that the idea and the promise of open banking and, and, and the promise of us as consumers being able to do more with our data. It just happens to be starting in banking. Obviously, it goes across multiple industries. You know, us being able to do more with our data and 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 that coming from the top down on a government federal level, that is happening and that thinking is happening. And the idea of controlling and using your data in more interesting ways, it's happening at a rapid pace in this part of the world. And I would argue we'll jump and 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 leapfrog what's happening in other parts of the world just because the way the, the way we're set up as you know as as a part of the world and countries and government structure and 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 you know ambitious um, ambitious movements towards certain visions that are in place you know so data and the opportunity with data is going to be very exciting very fast here I mean in the UAE and in, in Abu Dhabi Dubai and, and the other Emirates. Uh, very recently, we just went live with what was called um, uh, UAE Pass, which is the the, the the government federal digital identity. And you know, digital identity is obviously the keystone to a digital economy, right? So that, that's super cool, right? And then the final thing I'll say as well is that we're very fortunate in, in Abu Dhabi, um, particularly, um, I feel, in my own humble opinion, I feel Abu Dhabi is, is going to become the fintech nucleus for the region in the next kind of five years or so. Um, our local kind of financial kind of market called ADGM, uh, Abu Dhabi Global Markets, has just gone live with this crazy kind of regulatory sandbox called Digital Lab. And it's almost like a regulatory sandbox in steroids. It's almost something like what they're doing in Singapore, where it could potentially be this huge proxy where all innovation and all various different services and microservices can come together and we can build something interesting on that. And that really is just kind of finding its feet right now. And we're only just starting to kind of ramp up our, our, our footprint on, on the Digital Lab. But it's really exciting and it's super exciting to because you've seen what's happened in other parts of the world. You can kind of go, oh, that, that, that this kind of feels like what's happening, you know, and you're, you're there and you kind of know what the potential is and you're there at the very, very beginning, you know, and it's really exciting. It's almost like a privilege to be here at this time as it's developing. So I'm, I'm really excited about that potential for, for the ecosystem and for the industry to come together, not just banking, but way beyond banking and multiple, multiple verticals. Thank you, Gavin. Guys, I don't think I could have wished for uh, for a better way to uh, to open up this new uh, open innovation series at uh, Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you so much for being with us today. Guys, this is a slightly longer episode, but uh, I think it was definitely worth it. Thank you so much, Noemi, Edwin, Gavin, and Diego, for being with us today. Stay tuned on Breaking Banks EU. Thank you very much, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.